Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle for this week. Another massive show. A big week we saw in the NBL as we return to normal action after the NBL Cup. We've got a big week, big week ahead and also a big month ahead now that the extra three weeks of the fixture have been announced. We've got some teams that are really starting to stand out. We've seen some players putting up some incredible performances and we'll have a full show of Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. We'll have the Tap Touch preview with Matty Knight. We'll have the Demo Award thanks to Boomerang with Damian Martin. I'm Chris Pike, but... The star of the show, the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. How do we find you this week? Oh, look, Pikey, it's been, uh, it was good to get back on the sidelines and see some live NBL action. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about uh, w- what's happened in the league. And, um, yeah, just talking everything NBL, especially, I, I know we're probably going to talk about the level of play that Bryce is playing at the moment. It's been um, pretty, pretty remarkable. Yeah, it sure is. I'm fascinated to pick your brain just from seeing what you saw up close and in person in that game on on Friday night. Plenty to 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 sort of discuss from that, and I'll I'll do the same with Damian Martin later about what he saw on Monday night when the Wildcats played the 36ers as well. I just think you get an, a, a different perspective just from seeing the game live than through a TV screen. But round ten in the NBL, fascinating results, Sean. I'll race through them. You tell me what what sticks out to you. So it started the Sydney Kings. Hammering Melbourne United, 103-75. to Then the game you saw live, comfortable win for the Wildcats. Beat the Cairns Taipans, 93-75. to Overtime game, once again, between the South East Melbourne Phoenix and the Adelaide 36ers. The Phoenix won, 96-89. Big win for the Brisbane Bullets, 88-67 over the New Zealand Breakers. Melbourne United finally snapped that losing streak, 75-65 over the Illawarra Hawks. Another tight one. And another game I'll be fascinated to get your thoughts about some of the decisions made down the stretch from a coaching point of view later, Sean. The Sydney Kings, 75, beat the Cairns Taipans, 73. And then Monday night, 92-82 to 82 win for the Wildcats over the 36ers. What jumped out at you, at you about all of that, Sean? Yeah, I think we're really starting to see probably the top six in the league start to, I guess, kind of break away from the, the bottom yep. three. Um, I kind of feel like it's a uh, it's a race for the top four between, say, the Kings, Bullets, Hawks, and Phoenix. I think the Wildcats and United are going to be in there. Um, mm-hmm. But it, those last two spots are going to go to those two teams from what it's looking like. I think you look at the 36ers, they've had so many home games. They're sitting 7-12. and 12. They're still without Humphreys. And, uh, you know, I like some of the changes they made, but I just don't think that they're going to have enough firepower and the amount of road games they're going to have as well. It's going to make it tough for them to get in there. So it's really going to be a fight between those those six teams to get those top four spots, and, and I'm looking forward to see how that, that plays out. No, I think you make, make, a, make a good point. So just writing through those standings quickly, the Wildcats on top, 11-4, and four, Melbourne United, 11-5, and five, South East Melbourne Phoenix, third, 10-7. and seven. The Nilora Hawks still sitting fourth, 9-7. and seven. Brisbane Bullets just outside, 9-7. and seven. Sydney Kings, 9-8. and eight. And then, you, as you said, there is a bit of a gap. You've got the Adelaide 36ers, 7-12, and 12, New Zealand Breakers, 4-10, and 10, and the Cairns Taipans, 4-14. and 14. Let's start with the Wildcats, Sean. You saw them up, up close on Friday night. I never felt they were ever in danger of that game against the Taipans. I think they were up 16-4 to 4 early, and the game pretty much stayed at that margin most of the rest of the way. So this team coming into the season, a lot of people were ready to say that the streak was over. So you lost Damian Martin, Nick Kay, Miles Plumley, and Tariko White. Sort of only brought in Todd Blanchfield, and I guess John Mooney was an unknown straight out of college. Um, on paper, this team shouldn't be this good. But right now, as I said last week, I stand by it. They should be the championship favourites in my mind. Yeah, well, I think it's probably what the Wildcats stand for. And that's, you know, making sure you got the pieces that fit together. Everyone playing as a team. And, uh, you know, they talk about it on the, on the coverage, about playing through your superstar. There's no better team in the league that plays through their superstars than mm-hmm. the Wildcats. I mean, I just, you know, the, the IQ of the players out there has been, uh, been pretty impressive um, from my point of view. You know, get guys getting offensive rebounds, and instead of going up and taking up a shot, 
they get the ball back in Bryce's hands because they know yeah. if if Bryce has the ball in his hands three times in a possession, there's no team, no player in the league that's going to be able to stop him that many times. So it's uh, you know, they're playing well together. You know, Mooney's kind of this unassuming superstar, um, mm-hmm. and even the game on Monday night where. It took him a long time before he even got his first bucket. He still had an impact, you know, 11 yep. points. I believe it was 14, rebounds. 14 mm-hmm. rebounds and probably his quietest game in a long time. And he's still getting a double double. So mm-hmm. it, I just like the, how well they're playing. I, you know, one of the comments was, are they peaking too early? I mean, that's, I don't know. They're, they're playing some great basketball. I guess it remains to be seen. To me, it's going to be making sure their key guys stay healthy, you know, and I think Blanchfield's kind of finding his role within that. I, I was kind of wondering, could he replace what Tariqa White gave him, that, that outside presence and uh, just the, kind of that third score, and he, he's really uh, taken a liking to it. I, I'm sure he's enjoying playing next to a guy like Bryce Cotton who's willing to pass mm-hmm. the ball but draws so much attention that kind of makes his job a little bit easier. We've got to talk about Bryce Cotton. Um, that performance against the 36ers was incredible. There's no one, I don't know if there's defenders in the NBA that could have stopped him, the form he was in. 23 points in that first half, 36 for the game. And he was still fantastic on Friday night as well um, against the Taipans. Um, you've seen his whole career, Sean. Is this the best form he's ever been in right now? Yeah, I think it is. And I think. I think the Wildcats are adjusting. What you're seeing is they're not setting as many kind of on-ball screens for Bryce because they know teams can just double-team him. So you're seeing him playing a little bit, run through their offense, and then let Bryce just be Bryce. I mean, when he's crossing over, step back, raising up, the amount of the height that he gets on his three-point shot, mm-hmm. almost unguardable. And, you know, you talk about that 36ers game and 23 at halftime, but he actually didn't shoot the ball unbelievable um he you know he he shot the ball well but he missed quite a few shots as uh, uh, as well but I think he's just the level that he's playing at the confidence probably my favorite was that second half against the 36ers at the end of the the NBL cup as well where he just kind of basically wheeled that team back to uh down down 23 at one point into a win and that's just the competitiveness of him and the level that he's playing something people don't maybe think about all the time is when the NPL went to a 40-minute game, I remember Kevin Lish, I believe, was the leading scorer in the league at right around 16 points a game. Yeah, I think you're right. 16 points a game. And you look yeah. at now, we've got Bryce Cotton. Uh, last I had a look. 25, isn't he? 25 a game, maybe even higher now after after yeah. this week. So, And and let's be honest, the, the talent of the league has gotten better. So it's not like Bryce is going against weaker defenders. I just think... 26.1. 26.1. There you go. So I think it just goes to show the level of play that he's playing at. And, and we know Kevin Lish is an unbelievable player. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Damian Martin talks about Kevin Lish being quite possibly the toughest player he had to, to play against outside of Bryce Cotton. And yeah. so, I, I, you know, I, it's just remarkable. what he, And I think, you know, whenever his career finishes, let's hope it's for a long time, I think we're going to be – a bit like Andrew Gage, we'd be like, wow, that was an incredible career, and we're pretty lucky to uh, witness it. Mm. Quick questions for you, Sean. Just whatever springs to mind first. Is he the best ever Wildcat, or is Ricky Gray still in front? Look, I'm a big fan. Or is Sean Redditch in front? <laughs> Let's say the best Wildcat from Nebraska might, might be uh, Sean. <laughs> 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 but uh, as far I mean, I think you have to throw both those in the conversation. I'm going to give the edge to Ricky on longevity. And, and to be transparent, I didn't get to see Ricky play a whole lot. I've seen a lot of highlights. I've seen some games. I wasn't, you know, here during those years where he was just, you know, and everyone speaks incredibly highly of him but you know just look at how many games he played how many championships yeah. all that i think ricky's still top but bryce is is closing and probably it's not going to be till he finishes career let's hope it's uh still with the wildcats or, or in the nbl mm. um for a long time to go but i think there'll definitely be that 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 debate to be had at some point yeah, I think when we discussed it last year, we kind of both agreed that maybe the 200-game mark is kind of that benchmark. So if he gets to that 200-game that 
sort of barrier. I think he can be considered that, and he's not far away from that. So right now he's played played 125, so you would think he's going to get to that 200 games. Um, do you think there's been a, ever been a better import over the course of a career than than Bryce? Well, I think you've got to go with longevity. You know, a lot of people talk yeah. about Leroy Loggins. Um, you know, some of the stats he put up was mm. was video game-like. You know, I think that one's still a tough one, but he's got to be in that conversation with two or three, one of the best imports and, you know, just the impact. The guy is just, not only is he a winner, but, you know, he puts up incredible stats, but, you know, great teammate as well. He's just kind of that all-arounder. I have no idea how he was a free agent and the Wildcats were able mm. to sign him, but quite possibly the best signing they've ever they've done, especially a mid-season signing. That, that's mm. pretty remarkable. It is. Um, I don't think we'll ever see anyone match the accomplishments of Andrew Gaze over the period he did. By the end of Bryce's career, do you think he'll be the second best NBL player behind Gaze? I don't think it'll be in everyone. I don't think it'd be definitive that, say, Bryce Cotton Mm -hmm. is the second best. I think there'll be people, but definitely those that have probably only watched the NBL you know, in the last probably 10, 15 years, I think that he'll be in their eyes. Um, no no doubt that he could be the, the second best player to ever play mm. in this league. And that's, um, you know, the guy's 31. He's still caught. <laughs> you know, they talk about 32, 33 when you're playing in your prime at times. So yep. Um, yep. look out for the next couple of years as well. <laughs> uh, and just finally, um, what role do you see him being able to play on the Boomers? Do you think he can actually be someone that plays a significant role on that team, or would he fill just that 11th and 12th player spot? That, that is an interesting one. I, you know, I would, I'd be interested to see him kind of match up Patty Mills, put those two out mm. there, and then you throw like a, a Ben Simmons and an Aaron Baines and Joe Ingles. And Ingles. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at that lineup thinking a three-point shooting – I mean, yeah, we've yeah. seen Ingles <laughs> leading the NBA in three-point shooting. Bryce is, is one of the best shooters we've seen in the NBL. You know, we know what Patty Mills does on the mm-hmm. international stage. So, and Aaron Baines is... He can it, shoot the three-point. Yeah, he's really come along. And, and that's the international game. And I probably... And then you've got Ben Simmons, who we know... But when you've got four other great three-point shooters, you don't need someone. You need a distributor. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's Ben Simmons to a T. So, I'm... Uh, you know, I'd be interested to see that lineup out there on the court. And then you can kind of bring in Adela Vadova as your... Um, kind of as your spark plug. You know, the guy that's just kind of do the dirty work to, to help you get wins. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. But... Um... We assume it's going to happen. We assume that citizenship is getting closer. A um, couple of other things I wanted to pick your brain about, Sean. We saw in Perth last week both the Cairns Taipans and the Adelaide 36s. They were both competitive. I think they both put up a fight. In the end, I, neither of them were able to fully challenge the Wildcats, but they they fought hard. Do you think they've been coached well enough right now, especially maybe the Taipans team because you saw them close up? Yeah, look, I think I think – they just have lost that defensive spark and intensity. And, you know, I think sometimes when they're playing offensively well, they can get away with it, but they haven't played. They're not, you know, they're not an offensive juggernaut out there. And mm-hmm. so it just seems like they don't have, they don't seem like they're, they're gelling as a team. You know, just the body language coming out of the game. Didn't think Cam Oliver was really into that game in Perth. I thought, you know, mm. he tends to, if things aren't going his way, you can kind of go into his shell. And it seemed like that. Nate Jay was providing sparks at times, but just never feels like they're all in it together and, and playing playing at the right way. It's just almost like there's one or two guys that are a little bit missing the mark. I, you know, we, we've talked about how much they're missing Newble. But I don't know if that necessarily, even if you throw Nubel back into that squad at the moment. I mean, for Machado to have zero assists Mm. or more turnovers than assists over the last few games tells you a lot of where the team is at, where, you know, everyone is in the season. It just kind of got that sense and um, that they they were sick of being in the NBL Cup and and wanted to go Mm. home. So, you know, I think it's... It's one of those. I don't know if they've got the personnel right. Obviously, they had some injuries there, 
they brought back a team that was pretty competitive last year, but um, I think they're going to need to make some changes to be able to uh, to get back up in the in the standings at, at some point. Yeah, I mean they're missing Majuk Deng, who had kind of stepped into that role as the third option behind Oliver and Machado, so they're missing him. But I want to talk about Nate Jawai because he's in really good form right now. Um, no matter who's guarding him, when he catches the ball in the in his right spot down in the block, he's he's unstoppable. So he was unstoppable at times against Perth, um, but he just didn't play a lot of minutes. He still had 13 points, but I think he only played 12 or 13 minutes, and especially on, on Sunday. Um, he The Sydney Kings didn't have an answer for him, so he, he could score at will when he caught the ball against the, against the Kings. Um, so the tight ends are down two. There's a minute to go in the game. They, they just need to score to try to force the game into overtime, and Nate's sitting on the bench still. Um is that the right call? Do you, I mean, he, he, to me, he's your best option to get two easy points. Yeah, it's a, it's. I, I understand where a lot of people are coming from that, but you've also got to look at from the defensive side. Yeah, and I think sense. I think that's where you know if you said that was the last possession, um, then yeah, I think you 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 potentially throw him in there. Um, and and the thing I like about Nate is actually he's a you know, playing with him. He's a really he's a willing passer. So mm-hmm. if he gets doubled, um, y- you can play through him, and you know you're going to get an open three when you're down two. You could you could easily be up by one. But yeah. yeah, I mean, there's no one no one in the league. And I actually thought in that game against the Wildcats, you know, Mooney picked up his second foul in that second quarter. I would have liked to seen if I was a tie pants, just go to Nate. Against Mooney, I mean, you get, you know, we talk about him being one of the best players in the NBL. You get him out of the lineup, it's going to help your chances. You know, there was a couple times where, I mean, there was nothing. I mean, there's there's nothing most players can do against JY when he's got enough time to seal and, and put in some work on the post move. So, it's mm. he's either going to, one, get a one-on-one, which is pretty tough to stop, or he's going to draw a double team and get open shots. So... I think they could play through him a little bit. I, you know, I always like playing through Nate. Maybe start him, play through him a little yeah. bit. Get you know, get to him feeling good. Get the get the other guys open shots, which then will make them feeling good. And then it, then they're starting to roll instead of you might also send a rocket up Cam Oliver. And yeah, and and get Oliver playing back to the level that we know that he's capable of. He just um, he, he's pretty far off it at the moment. Yeah, he is. Now, just quickly, before we get to our Hoop 7 Play of the Year vote, Sean, I wanted to talk about the Illawarra Hawks. They, I think Brian Gorgian makes a pretty good case that they've been pretty hard done by. Note now, I do preface that by saying no one has come close to being as hard done by as what the New Zealand Breakers are. So no one's, no one, no one's you know, denying that anyone's dealing with anything close to what the Breakers are dealing with. But for the Hawks to start this season with 15 of their first 16 games away from Wollongong. They're trying to build that trust back back in the Wollongong community, but they're not just not able to play any home games. And now they've got a trip to Perth this weekend where, you know, famously they struggle. Um, does Brian Gorgian have a good case to make that they've been treated pretty harshly in this first half of the season? Well, I think, you know, I don't think it was the NBL's view and, and their want to get Illawarra Hawks 15 or 16 games on the road. But yeah, it is, mm. it is, it's a tough one. I don't think that there's um, no denying that playing on the road is going to be a lot harder. And obviously the breakers are the, the hardest with that mm. as well. Um, but I, you know, if you are the Hawks and you're looking at your record, you're feeling pretty good. Nine and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say they do lose to the Wildcats. They're nine and eight, but they've, you know, They've played got a lot of home games. To a lot of home games, and my understanding is they've already got over four thousand season members. That's how they got their Illawarra mm-hmm. yep. back. Yep. You know, we were watching games last year where they're getting twelve hundred, fifteen hundred mm-hmm. fans. If you pack that yeah. place with four, five, six thousand, you could quickly become one of the toughest places to play. I mean, it's it's a it's a perfect arena for their size if they can just fill it up. And that that place could become a fortress, and especially when you've got some talented players like Harvey and Jessup that can really fill it up. I think that they're, you know, I think they're in a good place to get into that top four. I actually got them 
you know, finishing probably third and then Bolts are the Kings in the fourth. I think the Phoenix are going to find it tough without Creek now. Yeah, Creek, yeah. I think you're probably spot on. That's probably the top four I would go with right now too. Okay, Sean. Yeah, we've got some catching up to do. So why don't we go with your your votes from the last week at the NBL Cup, first of all, and and what who who stood out to you with your five, four, three, two, and one? Well, I think the two out standout performers were Sobe and Cotton, and uh, you know both scoring thirty, uh, Sobe twice in that in that round. So I went with Sobe five, Cotton mm-hmm. four, Harvey three. Mooney two, two, and uh, and Creek one. So, um, you know, I think that those guys were were pretty outstanding in the NBL Cup and, and had some some good rounds. And obviously, um, with the Hawks getting some wins, Phoenix finding a way to win as well. I think uh, you know it's going to put to me. It's kind of a probably a three or four horse race at the moment between Cotton, Sobe, Harvey, and Mooney. Um, and it yep. kind of fits yep. in with, with that round. So that that's my round nine. And if I'm looking at round 10, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I think Bryce five, Mooney four, Jarrell Martin three. I think he's kind of, yeah. he's yeah. been really good for the Kings since he's come back. Landale two, um, you know, he puts up solid numbers each week, but that's with double team and triple team as a center is yep. um, has been pretty impressive. And then another guy, Ben Moore, 22. Oh, yeah. 10 he w- he was outstanding and uh you know I'll give Phoenix credit they're just finding a way to win without uh, a lot of talent sitting over there on the bench or not able to to suit up for him so it, I think the Phoenix have been impressive early on with just the adversity they've had to deal with yeah absolutely now very good votes so thanks to hoop 7 for the player of the year award check out our social media pages for the update on the leaderboard and we'll be back next week with with more votes and the leaderboard's starting to take shape, so it's, it's a fascinating race that we've, we've got going, Sean. So thanks to your votes, and let's take a deep breath. We'll come back with the Boomerang Award with Damian Martin, then the Tap Touch Preview with Matty Knight, and then we'll be back, Sean, to, to wrap things up. And now, thanks to Boomerang, we're here on the Domo Award, the Best Defensive Player Award here on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. Martin is with us once again, but this wouldn't be possible without the support of Boomerang, the best basketball system set up in the country. You can purchase whatever sort of basketball system you like, in-ground, above-ground. We've got the custom flooring covered. You can make that however you like, whatever you want. It's a look like whatever markings you would like, whatever decals you would like, which is a talking point right now. It can you can design it yourself. Boomerang will install it, and thanks to their support here of the Demo Award, we've got a very special offer once again. Thanks to Boomerang, you can get fifty percent off a portable basketball system, twenty five percent off an in ground system, or fifteen percent off. The custom flooring, which is just just incredible. So thanks to Boomerang for their support. Now on the Damo Award, let's get to Damien Martin. Okay, Damo, you're back here on the Damo Award thanks to Boomerang. I've got to say, I really enjoyed what you brought to the telecast on... Oh, gee, I can't remember what it was. When was the game? <laughs> Sunday? <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was good to be back at RAC Arena. There really is just an energy that's inside of the arena, and you get caught up in it whether you're a player, spectator, or in this case, a, a courtside commentator. So it's just good to be amongst it. And it's funny with all the noise, even as close as you're allowed to get with the telecast, I could not hear a thing. So I'm trying to rip read, I'm trying to go off the whiteboard, and managed to get a few things I could relay back to the boys in the commentary booth in Melbourne. Now, Trevor's pretty famous for keeping his cards close to his chest and, and hiding his hiding his whiteboard the best he can from the TV cameras and hiding what he's saying in those huddles from from people like you. Um, is it different with you? Is he a little bit more open with you? Or now that you're on the enemy side of things, does he treat you the same? <laughs> it's funny because obviously when I see him drawing up a play, I do know what the play is mm. even without hearing him verbalize it uh, but it's the it's the conditioning coach and the manager who usually stand in front of yeah. me and it's a bit of a joke, a bit of a laugh. I mean, 
the reality is, even if I know they're going to run, you know, horns or a loops or, you know, the flex, you know, all these different options they have, doesn't matter whether it's the Wildcats or the opposition team. I'm not actually going to call out the player. I might say, yeah. look to them to go to this player. But yeah, I don't want to be the reason a team wins mm. or loses because I've given away that. But if, uh, if I know they're going to run a play for a person, I'll probably say keep an eye out on mm. them looking to this guy. But I actually saw Adelaide draw up a play. And I thought, okay, it's going to go to Daniel Johnson. Next yeah. thing, it went to someone else altogether. So I'm like, you don't want to be embarrassed and say, yep, they're definitely running a play for so-and-so and then be made to look like a fool. So I'm a little cautious mm. out of the timeouts about uh, disrespecting the, the, the game itself, but then also being just completely wrong and embarrassing myself. <laughs> um so I got my days confused before. Of course, it was Monday night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a little <laughs> Monday night game. But hey, that's how much basketball that is being mm. played at the moment. It's about to ramp up again. So NBL yeah. Cup went back to a bit of normality with Friday through Monday, uh, and now it's back. Uh, you know, just about every day, I feel like there's going to be game played. Oh, will be so starting next Wednesday. There's a there's a game every single day for the next eighteen days. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely <laughs> love that. Um, I want to pick your brain a little bit about that game on Monday because I was fascinated by some of your insights that you did did provide. The thing I liked about it was sometimes the commentators back in the studio tend to forget they've got somebody courtside, but they seem to get you involved a lot more, and I, I found it really enjoyable. Now, some of the coaching moves. Connor Henry didn't get a lot out of Brendan Paul, didn't play him a lot. He only played him for 18 minutes of the game. Going into the game, I thought for the 36ers to win, he had to go for 30-plus and maybe 40-plus. But he took. I think he only took five shots for the game. What did you What did you make of the way Connor Henry used Brennan Paul? It really did take me by surprise. In particular, they were without Gideon Humphreys. Yep. So that one-two punch with your point guard and, and best player of the season so far. You know, you've got to. It's kind of an opportunistic time to just say, all right, Paul, get out there, you know, tonight's your night to shine and we're going to learn how you play, where your best positions are, and then when we get these other two guys back, fit you into it. Mm-hmm. Instead, you know, he sat for about the first six minutes of the second half. Yeah. Hey, it, it genuinely took me by surprise. So I'm not sure if he's still on minutes, if there's something niggling. He looked like he was physically fine, yeah. but it, there was a bit of frustration that seemed to be pent up and I think some of that came from sitting on the bench for long periods of time when, you know, your team is down. Now, credit to Adelaide. You know, like I said, they're without two of their better players. You know, they were playing away against a team that had won nine of their previous 10 games, but they stayed in it. So even though when you were there, it felt like the Wildcats had control, you look at the scoreboard and there was only a six to 10 point game for the majority of the 40 minutes. So Adelaide were right there, but I would have been throwing Brendan Paul out there and just saying, let's get you and Daniel Johnson as many touches Mm -hmm. as both of you want. And then the other guys will step up accordingly. So, yeah, the, the little I saw of him, he looks like he wants to be here. Yeah. The body language is what you want to see. The frustration was at the fact they were losing and, you know, he couldn't quite get into the game. So, yeah, I would have given him more opportunity, definitely more minutes, and just said, here's the ball, go play. Now, the one time they did give him the ball, you know, it was the end of a shot clock when mm-hmm. the whole Wildcats knew he was going to go one on five and Norto makes a big play, takes a charge. But that's the type of move you make when you're frustrated. You haven't had the ball in your hands much. You haven't had many looks. So... Yeah, I think he showed enough in the first few games. The glimpses we've seen, I believe he's going to be a special player in yeah. this league. But, yeah, I was disappointed because purely from a spectator's point of view, I would have loved to have seen him out there for 30-plus minutes opposed to playing, you know, a little over half the game. So, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but would love to have seen more out of Brendan Paul because I think he's going to be a mm-hmm. stud. And that Adelaide roster at full strength, now whether it's too little, too late, but they can string off a, a bunch of wins together. And I think a lot of that's going to come down to Paul averaging 16-plus a game. Plus, you know where you're going to get out of your tall timber in... Johnson and Humphreys, and, and Giddy's obviously a special talent with someday doing his thing. So they've got a great roster yeah. once they're going to be at full strength. But get Paul into it. Like, yeah. let's go and do something special. <laughs> yeah, I, I to- totally agree. That's why I, I posed the question. The other thing was I, I was fascinated with your take on, or I guess the question you posed about would you throw everything if you were the 36ers into trying to shut down everybody else except for Bryce Cotton. So potentially put Sunday Detch onto, say, a Todd Blanchfield or a Clint Steindl. And then if Bryce goes for 50, so be it. But if nobody else scores more than, say, five, you're a good chance to win the, win the game. I mean, I think we've seen when the Wildcats have been at their best, it's when Blanchfield and Mooney have been making really strong contributions and Cotton has still been doing what Bryce does. In hindsight, would have you put more effort into potentially shutting down the other contributors and, and just accepting that Bryce was, was pretty hot? Yeah, I think you've got to start Sunday on Bryce. Yep. The, but... You know, to be honest, I didn't even know where I sat with the answer. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to point it to That's the guys. 
I think I would have loved to have seen, because you've got to look at who stepped up in the second half. Bryce was still fantastic, but he did become more of a facilitator. You know, he still yeah. he finished with, what, 34, 36 points. So he scored 13 in the second half. But, you know, he finished with six assists, and most of those came in the second half. Mm-hmm. They didn't get the 10-plus points out of Blanchfield, where they're accustomed to, but it was Norto that stepped up. And now that's someone that yeah. they could have been guarding. And going back to Brendan Paul, he actually is a good defender. Now, watching him off the ball... The challenge on Bryce, too. Mm, I agree. I would have loved to have seen him guarding Bryce because he is super athletic and he actually could lock and trail and be right there on the catch with Bryce. Now, I would love to have seen Brandon Paul guarding Bryce, throw Sunday on Norto or Blanchfield, depending on who was getting hot, and then, you know, really get after the other players to say, hey, we've got to get Mooney off the glass. At the end of the day, it was a 10-point margin, but when they extended it to, you know, after 16 or 18, it was off the back of multiple offensive mm-hmm. rebounds. Now, that's where, as a player out on the court, I'd be ripping my big saying, we know Mooney's the best rebounder in this league by country mile, and we've lost to a guy playing to his strength. So I think it was 24 guard, rebounds to five in the end. Yeah, and when you're there live, we're like, we're, you know, the Wildcats, but they're building this lead off the back of having multiple looks at the ring each possession. And, you know, Trevs used to say, all sins are forgiven if you rebound. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't care what you do prior to the shot going up. You better go secure that ball. And, you know, Adelaide were doing themselves a disservice mm-hmm. because, like I said, I was watching Brandon Paul really lock a try on and then show his hands and, and push Bryce to the screen he wanted. Um, but then they get an offensive rebound and yep. all of a sudden you're in scramble mode and that's when, you know, Paul runs through Norto, they get free throws, he gets in foul trouble, there's frustration. But you rebound and it becomes a different ball game and, you know, credit to Mooney for reading the flight of the ball, getting himself in the position, the hustle, Clint Stein will save a couple that go out yeah. of bounds, we're going to go out of bounds uh, and that's where the, the game was. So, yeah, I would have, to get back to your question, I would love to have seen Paul spend more time on Bryce and then Sunday float between Norto or Blanchfield, depending on who was getting hot. So throwing him to Blanchfield to start, and then when Norto began doing his thing, uh, go and jump on him as well. So, yeah, it, it would have been something worth testing, especially in a game where you're not expected to win, just so you could have seen you know, what may have come about and test your new import mm. in Paul to see what he can do defensively on the opposition's best player. You mentioned Clint Steindl. When, when you're a team and you're hanging around with each other during the week, do you ever mention what an opposition coach might say, might say that's caught up on the TV camera a bit about one of your one of your teammates? Because Connor kind of quite clearly called called out Clint Steindl for being a terrible defender. Would that be something that gets brought up this week? No, we don't. I mean, I remember I win or lose, I'd come straight home and, and watch the game on mute. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I always preach is that the voices in the room, the locker room that matter the most. Yep. So just go and watch the game. Did we stick to the game plan? Was this what we expected of each other and, and my role within the team? So for me, it wasn't about the external voices, but you're aware of how teams are going to come in and what their scout may be. Now, Clint is a better defender than what he gets credit for, and he's worked on it that a lot a over the last bit, 24 months. Harsh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is. It certainly is harsh. So, Clint, you know, Clint knows that some teams will go at him, but he has worked on it. And I think if you were to compare him as a defender now to, you know, three or four seasons ago, he's continuing to get better. So, if Connor Henry or any opposing coach, if that's their game plan, then, you know, it's, it's like when you hear, hey, go post Bryce up. Yep. It's not as simple as that because Bryce is quick enough to front you. And then are you willing to throw a lob pass to another point guard with Bryce who's going to be more athletic mm. over him? And if you do so, how many point guards actually have a post-up game in this league? You know, you're going back to it. Cedric Jackson, when Ramon Moore played the 2-3, he, he could post up. Homicide. But outside of those two guys, homicide, there's only a handful of guys in the last 10 years that mm-hmm. feel comfortable in the post. It's like saying to someone that Clint may be guarding, hey, all of a sudden, you go play one-on-one basketball out there or one-on-five in an ISO. Not a lot of guys are used mm, to that now. Okay. Bryce is, you know, Machado is. But just as, you know, a random... You know, wing player, mm. not usually their style. So, yeah, I, I hear those comments about getting after someone defensively, but putting them in a different role offensively can be just as uncomfortable. So, no, I, I don't think you're going to win many games by simply saying, hey, whoever's Clint is guarding, go play ISO ball because you may not be playing to your own strength. Yeah, and the defensive team's got all the rebounding position because they're just going to stand and watch. So, um, no, it's, it's always nice hearing the insight. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like like players, sometimes coaches get it wrong as well. And I think this time it's not necessarily going to be a strength of opposition to, to attack Clint every single time. Okay, let's get to the votes in the demo award. Now, our one vote. Now, we've I'm seeing a lot of comments this year pop up about how a lot of people feel like this guy is one of the best defenders in NBL history. And it, it's probably, they've probably got a fair case, but he's never won an NBL Defensive Player of the Year award because you took them all. But he... <laughs> 
I think he's underrated. So I reckon this his one vote this week is probably for an overall achievement award. Not to say that he didn't do well last weekend, but he probably deserves to be on the leaderboard somewhere. Yeah, you're exactly right. And he is first. I want to say he's been in the league 13 years. I could be incorrect. Yep. For 13 years, he's been a, a very good player in the league and a great defender. So, yeah, Tom Abercrombie, who's still super athletic, you know, he... I mean, I know the Breakers are doing it tough and, you know, they lose by nearly 20 points. They lose by 21 points against the Bullets. But purely from Abercrombie's, my point of view, looking at Abercrombie, you know, Vic Law, who I rate as one of the best players in the league, you know, he played 32 and a half minutes, held to seven points. A lot of those 32 yeah. minutes, he did have Abercrombie guarding him. But, you know, obviously New Zealand are doing it tough. But Abercrombie plays 37 and a half minutes, you know, manages to get you know, a steal against him, you know, four rebounds. I know it's not huge numbers, but he just contests every time. He lock and trails. He, he, he shoots the gap when he's supposed to shoot the gap. He's one of those guys you can just leave out for, like I said, what was it, 37 and a half minutes, knowing he's not going to make too many mistakes and he's not going to break your game plan defensively because he is so switched on. I remember there was a an offense we used to run with the Wildcats, which was essentially we're just setting up the whole play for a backdoor cut to try and get a dunk and mm. really get the crowd into it. Now, Abercrombie, we only run it probably one every three games, but it was a defining moment in those games because it might be taking a six-point lead to an eight and really getting the crowd into it. Every time we play New Zealand, you know, you'd be like, I'm only going to run it if Abercrombie's not on the court because he was so switched on in the moment that even if he wasn't guarding the guy we're trying to set up for the backdoor cut, he'd be yelling it out, it's this, it's this, it's this. And, you know, that's a play, like I said, we only run once in a blue moon. That's what he's like with every offense. He knows the, the scout. He knows what the other team's running. He's got the athleticism and the speed to stay in front of players, and he's got the willingness to contest mm. every shot. So uh, a long overdue mm. point is going to Tom Abercrombie, not just off the back of, you know, a good performance against Brisbane, but, you know, I watched him again and again. I'm like, how have I not given him a point mm. at some stage? And I'm, I haven't told you this, but I'm going to throw a spanner in the works and you're going to have to upgrade the leaderboard. I've got to throw someone else in there for another point. For <laughs> Apologies, Mikey. For but one point as well this week, we're going to go to Cam Glidden. Uh, I know I gave him a, a point or two last week, yep. but at the end of the day, he, he finished the game with four steals and seven defensive rebounds. Again, I think with the overtime game, he played over 40 minutes. Like <laughs> Similar to Abercrombie, now that Glidden is healthy, I know he's dealing with back issues in years gone by, now that he's healthy, he's just reading the game really well. So that's why he's been able to shoot some gaps to dig and get a deflection occasionally, depending on who he's guarding. So I, I just like that he's out there mobile and to be able to play that many minutes and get in the stands. There's, there's different types of players. There's ball pressure guys and there's containment guys. He's more of a containment guy who can then shoot a gap and get you a steal uh, if there's a sloppy pass or just according to his basketball like you and reading it. So I'm going to throw Glidden in there, four steals, seven defensive boards. The least I can do is give him a point. No, well-deserved. Now, two votes. This guy doesn't get a lot of attention because he's play, he plays on a team with a lot of stars, but for whatever reason, I think the Sydney Kings at both ends of the floor look a lot better when he's out on the court. Yeah, and he was nearly a poster, and in hindsight, it was probably a foul, <laughs> yeah. but and not probably, it definitely was a foul. But yeah, I'm going to give uh, two points to Craig Moller. Uh, again, just solid. Uh, more than anything, he was just solid, but when you're coming up against Cairns, who are desperate, you know, Oliver's still one of the best figures in the league or capable of, mm-hmm. you know, doing some special things out there. I just thought Moller just is constantly there. You know, Oliver played thirty-one over 31 minutes, finishes with seven points, but as the efficiency, three of 11 from the field, uh, one of five from three-pointers, you know, he, he's just making life tough for whoever he's guarding. But if you, you know, pay attention to Sydney, he's always in the right spot to, for the help side. Yep. So, you know, if Casper wants to be able to crawl in, because he's one of those pressure defenders I spoke about, when Casper wants to crawl in and really get after an opposition guard, which can open yourself up to some blow-bys, he knows that Moller's going to be at the help line, hands up. He's going to contest a shot, whether it's a float or an attempt to dunk, a pull-up. And so he's just one of those reliable help side defenders. So on the ball, he's doing a good job pressuring, denying, but then he's always playing weak side. So you love guys like mm. that to know you can crawl into a guy and if you get beaten, you've got the help behind you. So, Come yeah, two points this week goes to Craig Moller. Oh, some big blocks. Yeah. And, and yeah, he got a steal as well. Um, yeah, and no, I thought, uh, you know, he had... He, Having a good season, but defensively in particular, I thought he, you know, stood out against, you know, who I who I still rate, albeit a down season by his standards. But Oliver can do some special things. But when you got someone like Moller making life tough, uh, now results in a seven point performance. Three votes. I think it was a, a no brainer this week. Firstly, against Machado on 
on Friday night. He was brilliant. And then just the way he plays pressure, the way he sneaks up and can pull off some of those steals, the way he doesn't foul while putting it, that pressure mm-hmm. on with his hands up, it was, a, it was a pretty clear choice for the three votes. Yeah, and I think this comes off the back of an incredible NBL Cup. I thought he was the unheralded stud. Um, you know, obviously, everyone's going to talk about Bryce, about Blanchfield, and about Mr. Double Double himself in Mooney. But I think Nordo has been incredible this year. I think it's his best season to date in the Wildcats jersey. And defensively is where he's really leading. And he finished with 13 points, which is probably his best output at that end this season. But you're right. He just doesn't give up on any play. There was a big moment against Adelaide where he chases back, gets a tip from behind. Just every time it felt like Adelaide were going to get a momentum swing, you know, the Wildcats got a few stops defensively and that was off the back of Mitch Dawson. The huge, oh, huge charge. To be able to slide defeat, you know, I think, you know, I still rate Sunday as probably the best pressure defender in the league. You know, like I just mentioned, Castle Ware does it as well. There's a few guys that can really crawl up and in. It does expose you to blow by. Uh, but when it comes to containment defense, I think Nordo would have to be the hardest to get by yeah. because what he does is he stays in it. So even if you get on his, on his hip, he's strong enough just to show his chest, show his arms. It's hard for the, the refs to call a foul on him because he is sliding and showing his hands. He doesn't reach in. But although he doesn't get many steals by picking you, he takes charges, but he also causes a lot of contested shots and sends the offensive player to a position to, to shoot the ball that he didn't want to get to. So by staying in the play, sliding his feet, staying in front, he is really going to another level defensively this year. And he's got my three points again. And, and like I've told you, I don't check the leaderboard, but mm-hmm. I feel like I've said Nordo's name a few mm-hmm. times of late, so I'm guessing he's, he's creeping up there and, and deservedly so. I think it's fair to say the names you've mentioned the most are Sunday and Nordo, and probably in the top two positions. I won't tell you where they're situated, but <laughs> I think that's a, that, that's, a, that's a fair bet, Damo. Been a fascinating segment. I hope everyone's enjoying this. Thanks to Boomerang for making it possible, and we'll check back in with you. Oh, actually, firstly, have you got another game on the microphone this week, Damo? No, it'll be Shawnee on Friday. Uh, tomorrow night, I'm actually heading up to the Pilbara to run some basketball clinics, but then I'll be back for the following week and very much looking forward to getting back out there. So, you might even no, have some weddings great. on this weekend, do you, Damo, as a celebrant? I do. I'm uh, up in the Pilbara for basketball tomorrow, get back Saturday at lunchtime, and there better not be a delay because I'm a celebrant for 2 p.m. later that day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how we go. Good luck, Damo. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Bye. Cheers. Okay, thank you to Damien Martin for the Boomerang Award once again here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. And now it's time for the Tab Touch Preview. We'll be joined by Maddie Knight once again to get all of the insights and his tips and thoughts on round 11 now in the NBL. But of course, head to Tab Touch, tabtouch.com.au for all of your NBL betting markets you could ever, ever hope to find. Not only do we have all of the head-to-head matchups for the upcoming games this weekend in the NBL, but you can pick any sort of, for any sort of market that you might hope for to do with an NBL game. You can go for the game totals, the winning margins, the half and the full-time double. You can go for the line betting on the, on the margins and the total scores. Who's going to score the most points from a player's point of view? Who will score a double-double? You might want to put that money on on John Mooney right now. Margin betting, wire-to-wire betting. Who's going to get the most assists in a game? Will somebody get a triple-double? So keep an eye out if Josh Giddy is going to play for the Adelaide 36ers maybe this weekend. The most points, the most rebounds, anything you hope for. Hopefully you can find a winner at tabtouch.com.au. Remember to gamble responsibly. And, of course... Make sure you check out the multi-bet selections from Matty Knight, who we'll hear from right now, and Sean Redditch, thanks to Tab Touch, And they'll be trying to win for charity, but they'll also be trying to help you find a winner. But for now, thanks to Tab Touch, let's get on to Matty Knight. Back here with Matty Knight on the Tab Touch preview. Matty, how do we find you for another week? And how frustrated are you getting with some of these NBL teams that keep letting you down? Because that's where you keep looking at. Your selections on your multi-bet are pretty sound, but you keep getting let down week after week. I know, like I said um, a couple of weeks ago, whoever I put money on, they end up having to lose. So <laughs> maybe I put some on the favourites. Mm. The underdogs would probably end up winning. But uh, no, it shows you how close the league is this sure. year. That, you, know, you don't bring each game, and there's an upset that could occur. What are you thinking of what you're seeing right now? Are you enjoying the, the competitiveness of the league right now? Because like you said, you really don't know who's going to win any game going into it. You look at the Taipans and the Breakers who are down the bottom of the ladder, but 
it wouldn't surprise you any week if they could sort of knock off a, a Wildcats and a United. Are you enjoying what you're seeing from the league this season? Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic for the league to have such a, a close um, you know, between top to mm. bottom. Normally, every year, the top four and the bottom four are really separated. But this year, it's it's not looking that way. You look at the ladder, Perth, you know, won 11 games, but you look at it down to six, I think they've won eight or nine games. Yep. So yep. you can't afford to drop too many in a row, especially over a long season. Um, yeah, because it's very close. You need to win the games you're meant to win and then sneak a few in where you're probably the outsider. So, no, it's fantastic yeah. for the league. And the imports this year are really helping the league. Absolutely. But um, even the local grown players coming back to play, it shows you it's one of the top leagues in the world right mm. now. Absolutely. Connor Henry, last week when I spoke to him, he said that he's got no doubt that it's a top three league in the world right now. He'd only put the NBA and the high-level EuroLeague ahead of the ahead of the NBL right now. Yeah, definitely. You just look at the imports that are coming out here and even um, former NBA or current NBA guys are starting to buy you know, ownership yeah, of absolutely. teams, which shows you it's, uh, it's gaining traction. And what Larry and that have done is put uh, Australian basketball on the map and you got Olympics coming up this year and the Boomers... Mm hopefully be coming away with a medal for yeah. the first time. So it's very exciting times ahead for Australian basketball and the NBL. Absolutely. Now, it's amazing to think that some teams still haven't even played half the games yet this season. When you think about it, a 36-game season and all pretty condensed, you're, you're not getting much time in between games right now. How do you reckon you how, how do you reckon you would be holding up in a 36-game season, Matty? Uh, if I'm younger, me, I'd probably be okay. But towards <laughs> the end of the career... I'm not sure how the body would handle 36 games, mm. but as a player, you love uh, getting out there playing. It beats training every day of the week. Oh, it's an interesting more one. opportunities did to get you to find, play a game. But. It's an interesting one. Did you find yourself more exhausted after training sessions or after games? After training. Yeah. Um, yeah. We used to beat each other up on the training court, so you walk away pretty sore. But um, like they said, training is always going to be harder than games, which made games easier at times. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get to round 11 in the NBL, Matty. And it starts Thursday in Bendigo. So it seems very funny to say this. Technically, it's a New Zealand Breakers home game. I think that, I think that's not doing them really much of a, of a service, but we'll, we'll go with it. So we've got the, the Breakers up against Melbourne United and on tap touch, the Breakers $2.60, Melbourne United $1.51. Melbourne United right now, I'm down. You're not sure who. Well, you would have thought they'd go up to Sydney and get a win, but... They didn't, and then... Lost by 30. You're just not sure what Melbourne United team, but New Zealand, um, I think they are hopefully counting down the days for their Prime Minister says they can uh, have mm. free travel between yeah. Australia and New Zealand so they can get home. But, um, you know, I think being in Melbourne, even though it's a breakers home game, I, I think United should uh, get a comfortable win. Yeah, it's a, it's, a bit, it's a bit rough counting that as one of their home games, but... We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 take it for what it is. Um, Friday night standalone game: Perth Wildcats and the Illawarra Hawks. One thirty-six, the Wildcats. Three twenty, the Hawks. You know the history of, of this rivalry. You were part of it a long time. The Hawks have won once in the last thirty-three times coming to Perth. Can they? Can they make it two? Oh, it'll be a tough one. The way Perth are playing right now, but um. You can never write off any uh, Gorgon mm-hmm. uh, coach team. I'm sure he's got a few tricks up his sleeve for this game, and especially after last time these two teams played, uh, mm-hmm. Perth embarrassed uh, yeah. uh, Illawarra. So I'm sure that's in the back of their minds. But um, coming over here to the jungle, um, the Red Army's going to be fired up, and uh, Perth are playing some pretty good basketball. So like you say every week, you shut Cotton down, you can beat the Wildcats. Mm-hmm. But uh, unfortunately, not too many teams have found the blueprint to do that right no. now. So I think Perth could, uh, should get a win, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks come out and probably cause upset of the round. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I definitely think it'll be a close, cl- much closer than last time they met at the NBL Cup. Um, then Saturday, you got a feel for the breakers. Short turnaround, they head up to Brisbane to play the Bullets for the first game on Saturday. Brisbane... Favourites one fifty five on tap touch. The breakers are two fifty five. Yeah, you got to feel for New Zealand, yeah. but they can't get settled anywhere right now. You're just going from hotel to hotel, yeah. jumping on a plane, going to a hotel, go play, get on a plane, go to a different hotel. Um, you've been doing that since what November, December. Yep. It's yep. mentally, it, it's going to take its toll. And even though 
They're uh, against Brisbane. They've played pretty well again. I think it's half the season gone. You've been on the road that long. Mm. Um, I think their minds will be starting to focus on when are we getting home. So I think Brisbane quite comfortable in this game. Yeah. Now this one should be a really good one. So both teams still missing some key players, but we know that they enjoy playing against each other. No travel involved because they're both in Melbourne. So we've got the Phoenix against United Saturday night. Phoenix, $2.12. We've got United, one seventy two on Tap Touch. Yeah, no, I was probably last week with Mitch Creeker. He would thought South East had yeah. no chance. They've come out and got a win. Oh, Ryan Brokoff's only going to get more comfortable each session he spends and each game he plays with. Phoenix, United, big game on tonight. And mm. if they win that, they're coming with a lot of confidence. And you probably expect them to back up against Phoenix. But um, you just never know. I actually think the Phoenix may get this one. They've got a lot to play for. You want to continue to build momentum. And you don't know how long Mitch Creek's out for. Mm. So you're going to have to try and get as many wins as you can. Um, and I'm tipping uh, the Phoenix to get this one. Yeah, and I think they're pretty much now at full strength, aside from Mitch Creek. So I think Kiefer Sykes will be back. They've got Dane Pino back now. Adam Gibson's back. So, yeah, aside from Creek, they're actually looking looking pretty good now. Well, that's it. You get, you know, and uh, broke off. They're going to bring that um, inside presence. And yep. Ryan's going to add an extra three-point shoot he got there with uh, Cam Glidden and that. Yep. So I think, yeah, I think they're going to build from last week and, uh, yeah, causing upset over United. Mm. Now, Sunday, this will be a real... This is probably the game of the round for mine. The Kings, who are now building some really good form against the Wildcats, who we know come into this round on top of the ladder, they meet it in Sydney. So the Kings are two $2.08 outsiders on tap. The Wildcats, one seventy four. Yeah, no, I have a uh, radio on Tuesday and uh, what game I was looking most forward to, and except for this one, the mm. two form teams of the competition right now, and... I believe Sydney have got allowed for the full capacity now. Yeah. I believe. Oh, I, so, I imagine yeah. they're going to they're going to pack out the the stadium. So, and Forty's got them playing some really good basketball right now. Um, he knows the Wildcats inside out, and they had a close game last time. So, I think uh, Sydney Sydney at home should get this one. Mm. Now Sunday. These two teams really need a win. We've got the Cairns Taipans back home against the Adelaide 36ers. We still don't know about Josh Giddy's health. We know they'll still be without Isaac Humphreys. So Tab Touch has Cairns the slight favourites, 172. Adelaide are $2.12. Yeah, no, got a feel for Adelaide. They just can't catch a break right now mm. with injuries. But you have to give them credit. On Monday, they, they pushed the Wildcat. No Humphreys, Sunday fouls out. So No Giddy. Um, you know, you, you got to build a lot of confidence. And even Brandon Paul, ankle, or he didn't play much. No. So you go down by 10 to probably the form team of the competition. Even though you didn't get the win, you got to take some confidence from that. And I think Cairns uh, right now, I think they're just uh, looking forward to getting home. Maybe they can play some inside basketball. Let's throw Nate Darwin yep. in there more. Cause, uh, yeah. Or Daniel Johnson's not going to look forward to that coverage. <laughs> no. He's got uh, with Nate. So I think Cairns back at home, they've got to start playing some good basketball soon. So I'm picking Cairns. And I, I think you're exactly right. If they go to Nate inside, that's the answer. I mean, I couldn't believe that they had Nate on the bench in the last minute of the game against Sydney on on, on the weekend um, because Sydney had no answer for him, but he was sitting on the bench when they needed, they needed two points to send the game into overtime. Um, just so... Yeah, I think Nate holds the key there, and I think you're right, Matty. Um, last game of the round, Monday night. The Illawarra Hawks back home. They're just their second game of the season, so I think this will be their 17th game or 18th game of the season. It's their second game only at home, and they'll be at home in Wollongong hosting the Brisbane Bullets. I think uh, the Illawarra back home, you imagine they're going to have the tip full. So I, mm. I think Illawarra. They're going to start playing good basketball. They've got too good a team right now to be where they are. They just need to find that consistency. Brisbane, they're starting to play some good basketball. Obviously, Patterson up. Um, yep. It's interesting to see which tomorrow they get. The one that plays for Brisbane last year. Or, or the New Zealand one. <laughs> yeah, New Zealand. So, and coming back from injury is not going to help his conditioning either. So, I think the Hawks, with the fans behind them, will should get a, a win on um, Monday night. Mm. So plenty of fascinating games there to, to look forward to this weekend. Now, before I let you go, Matty, it's getting very close to the, 
the national championships. You're coaching the WA state team. Um, I think it's only two weeks away before you you head off. Um, how's your team coming together, and how much are you enjoying being involved as the coach? Yeah, no, I'm loving it. Um, coming from Tassie, all the country kids down there, and getting to work with the country kids um, over here, it's been fantastic. There's a lot of talent there, and um, yeah, two weeks today we fly out, mm. so looking forward to getting over to Melbourne, but put everything stays the way it's coming right now, and those stays away, but um, we got the draw yesterday, and we got a pretty tough draw, but boys, they're excited. We've got quite a few boys that have never been away, so mm. it'll be a new experience for them, but um, one they'll enjoy, so... We've got our city first met uh, country clash on Saturday at the Bender Stadium, okay. so it'll be a good hit out against the Metro boys. Um, a lot of our boys have never beaten the Metro boys, so right now we're focused on that game and trying to cause an upset there and build some momentum before we head away. No, it sounds great, Matty. We'll we'll stay in touch every week on your progress there and and see how you go. And you know, win or lose, I mean these these players are going to have a great experience playing under someone like you, and also just getting the experience of going away together. So yeah, we look forward to following that progress. We look forward to trying to raise some money with your multi bet this week, thanks to Tab Touch for I know, charity. Right. Hopefully, hopefully I get one. <laughs> that, that's hope so, Matty. But thanks again <laughs> for your insights, and we'll check back in next week. Thanks, Mikey. Okay, thanks to Matty Knight for that tap touch preview. Now, Sean, um, we've got we got the full market there available for you to pick your multi from this week. Matty's taken some interesting views, and he's he's desperately try, trying to get off the zero that he's on for charity. Um, what do you think of the round eleven matches that gets underway on Thursday with the Breakers and Melbourne United? Yeah, well, I think everyone's probably picking the United, and I, I'm going to go with with that route as well. It's uh, the breakers just just haven't been able to find some consistency and United, you know, they, they were struggling, but they got a good win to finish off the week last week. So I think, you know, that that'll give them some confidence looking at Friday night. We know the Hawks struggle, although this is a different look Hawks team now that uh, Brian Gorgian is in charge and probably don't have too many players with the ghosts of, of some of the losses over the years. No, so I think the there's it's really? going to. It's going to be a more competitive game than you think, but uh, got to go with the hottest team in the league at the moment with the Wildcats. You look at uh, Saturday night, going to go with the Bullets again. You know, against the Breakers, uh, I just I feel bad for the Breakers and especially you know f- getting a Bullets team who's feeling good about themselves playing at home, and the Breakers are uh, playing their second game of the week uh, against a fresher mm. team. So. That one's going to be tough. And then, you know, you've got the big matchup between the two Melbourne teams. And, you know, I know Phoenix got them earlier in the year, but I think United um, with so many of the players that the Phoenix are missing, although they're having to play their second game as well. I'm, I'm going to go with United. I think their depth is is going to get them over the line in that one. And then this is an interesting one, the Kings and the Wildcats. I like the way the Kings are playing now that Jarrell Martin is back. My, It'll be interesting to see... You know, with Hunter and Martin, that big lineup, if that can give the Wildcats trouble, because yeah. we know Mooney's kind of that 4 5, probably prefers the four spot. He's playing for the five and doing well with the Wildcats, but they have, you know, some extra bodies in there to be able to match up with the saws that, that the Kings, um, and then we know they got the shooters around them. So it's going to be a tough one, but I'm actually going to pick the Kings in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can't win every game if you're the Wildcats, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, their streak's got to come to an end at some point. It, this league is just too tough, and, and obviously playing on Friday and traveling on Sunday and still being able to um, get things done on, on one day's rest is tough. Uh, Taipans, 36ers. I'm going to go with the Taipans. Uh, you know, that's a tough one. you got two struggling teams, but them being at home, I think, is is going to help them. And finish off the round, the Hawks and the Bullets. That's, uh, you know, that's a lot of implications for top four right there. Um, the Hawks finally get a home game. I think they're going to be pretty mm-hmm. excited to be playing at home, and I'm going to go with the Hawks at home on Monday night. Yep, I think so too. So we'll keep track of that. Now, before I wrap things up, Sean, What's the first thing you go to say to Brian Gorgian when you see him for the first time in more than a decade on Friday night? 
Oh, I'm just, uh, yeah, it'll be great to uh, see him in person. Hopefully I get to, um, I'm actually going to be working the game on the sideline. So I think there's, I got a lot of respect for for Gorgian. And, uh, you know, he treated me extremely well during my time with the Boomers. So, um, yeah, it'll be good to catch up and just kind of see how he's doing, how his family and uh, how he's enjoying being back in the NBL. So, uh, you know, he's a, he's a great guy. He's a great coach. And, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to kind of reminisce a little bit. But, you know, I haven't really spoken to him a whole lot um, over the last probably six to eight years. So it's uh, obviously with him being in China. So it'll be great to, yeah. uh, to catch up and, and see what his thoughts are. You know, one of the things I'm, I'm interested to see, what's his thoughts of are the NBL these days from when he left the NBL? Um, mm-hmm. And just kind of get his his take on it because he's probably have a, a pretty good take with just how long he's been in the league before and, and seeing where it is now. That sounds like a discussion we should be sitting down with him for for a bonus show. So we hope to make that happen at some point this season with with yourself and Brian Gorgian. So stay tuned for that. But let's wrap up this week. It's been another big show. Thanks to the Tab Touch preview once again with Matty Knight. Thanks to the Demo Award. Thanks to Boomerang. Thanks to Hoops Heaven for making it all possible. I'm Chris Pike. I'll sign off and leave you once again the wise words of the scoring machine. Well, thanks, Pikey. Yes, it's, uh, you know, one of the things I'm interested to see, oh, we know the level of play that Bryce Cotton has been playing in, but how are teams going to adjust? We, you know, we, we heard Damian Martin on the broadcast talking about, do they put their best player on someone else to try and stop them? Uh, you know, you got to try and do something. And so uh, I know Gorgian will have uh, something up his sleeves. We saw the Kings try a triangle and two on him at one stage in the in the finals last year. But, uh, you know, this league is too good, too many good, too good of coaches. I'm interested to see the changes that they do to try and slow down Bryce Cotton, who's just been unstoppable so far.